Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to The Weekend Show. My name is Ken, and you will be reassured to know that I am joined, as always, by my Oscar... No, by my Oscar-worthy co-host, Garrett. Garrett, how are you? It's been a while. Two things. Was the long good a, a make good for our last episode being the first, last of the year, first of the year? Is this our first of the year? This is our first of the year, Gar. Right. So you gave them an extra big good. It's partially because I was reading ahead so I didn't mess up, but I still messed up anyway. Yeah, which was my second point, that you forgot to update the opening of it. You smoothly covered that, which uh, then you, you stumbled somewhere else. You got you got over the bit where you weren't supposed to read what was actually on the page. Yeah, I think I got cocky because I, I forgot to change the script from our New Year edition. Then I got over that and then I tripped at the next turtle. Yeah. It's this hubris. Hubris overtook you, Ken. It did. So I turned my phone on silent like a professional. You're a professional podcasting person. Hmm. Three Ps. PPP. What have you been doing so far in 2019? It's been a very long month. Has it? For me it has because like it's like one of those scenarios where it's six months to get paid. Six months. Feels like six months. (laughs) It's six weeks. And this is my first weekend off actually this month so it just felt quite long for me. Yeah. No, my, like my weeks just disappear, because like my, my week is like uh, pinpointed by impact, and when impact airs, it's like all right, my week is more or less over now, and I just get to that every week, and I'm like, where the heck did these last seven days go? Yeah, I do, I'm kind of a similar scenario because I do shift work, mm-hmm. so like you might have like four on one off, so like the weeks kind of run into each other in that way, especially if you're working weekends, so it just feels like like the week is one long week. The week is one long week. Yeah. Your life is one long week if you think about it. Life is a highway. I wanna ride it That's a good song. People don't like that song. That's a good song. I know people probably don't like Rascal Flats, but like Cars is a good movie and that's a good song. Yeah. One of the only good things with the Cars franchise. The first Cars is good. Yeah, solid. But after that... I haven't watched three yet. Have you watched three? No. And I was in the Philippines when it came out and I was going to a lot of movies because I had nothing better to do and I still avoided it. Our local cinema has stopped showing kids films at night, (laughs) which is upsetting. I didn't get a chance to see... What was that film that came out? Wreck-It Ralph 2. I totally missed Wreck-It Ralph 2 because they kept it only airing it during the day. Give me an evening showing Wreck-It Ralph 2. And like... That's a freaking big Disney film. What are you doing? Maybe they weren't filling seats in the evening. Well, they don't fill seats anyway because it's really quiet cinema. Hmm. I'm surprised it's still open. There's lots of rumours. It's been rumoured to close since it opened. Yeah, literally. It's going to be a car park every time. Literally once a year there's some kind of thing. It's going to be like a, a supermarket. Or it's it's always a car, a car park. park. It's always going to suddenly turn into a car park. Like It'd be a shame. But the, in fairness, the building hasn't changed since the 90s when it opened. Yeah. There's an empty field behind it. Like literally just an empty field. That anybody could turn into any kind of car park if they'd wanted. It's right next to a McDonald's too. You probably get some people. I guess McDonald's has a car park, but still, hands off our cinema car park. Yeah, then is there like car park conglomerate? It's like big car park. Probably. Like I'd have to go all the way to town then, or man, and neither is ideal. Yeah, I'm kind of lucky because I live in a a separate town that has its own cinema. Well, this has its own cinema. It goes away. One of them Okay, I'm sorry. I think you've been up to. I've been playing Pokemon. Let's go, Pikachu. Oh, well, Pokemon. Well, who's your main? My main. Who's on your team? I got. I. I care, even though it's been very difficult, to have gone with an OG team. Um, the, so, the Ash Ketchum team. Yeah, so it's led out by Pikachu. Mm-hmm. Then I have Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle. Char. 
Pidgeotto and Pidgeotto. Butterfree. Free. Which is, it sounds good, but I've caught better Pokemon since and mm. stuck with this team just because I'm being stubborn. And it's like, some of, the, some of them are still so weak that they only get one move off. And Oof. then if they're not the first Pokemon to go, they often faint after one move. But well, it's, it's getting there. Once well, once you evolve the Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and, I, and uh, the other one, Charmander, they'll be fine. They are evolved. They're in the second phase now. They're oh, all Charmander, and Ivysaur. You should be fine. Get good. Catch more Pokemon. You get tons of experience for catching Pokemon. Yeah, so I'm catching more Pokemon at the moment. I'm, I'm not avoiding trainer battles. You know in the old games, say if you're running low on health and potions, mm. you might avoid trainers. I, I don't do that in this one. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's a good game. I like that game. It's just like a good nostalgia trip. It's just a good, solid video game. I finished Octopath Traveler this week. Which is a very long game. Well, it's not very long. It's like 50... Well, 55 hours is very long. It's three days. That's like three days. <laughs> yeah, well, two and a half. Two and a half but, days. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good game. It's an interesting game. What's it about? Because I saw you tweeting about it, but I don't really... Is it kind of like a Final Fantasy type thing? Yeah, it's basically a throwback to like 90s RPGs, but like the, the hook is it's basically eight individual stories instead of one big one. Ah, so it's, the same characters or different characters? What do you mean? Oh, what different characters. So it has eight different characters, each have their own little story arc. Ooh, so you play at each character in each arc, is that it? Yep, so you go around and you find one of the characters, they join your team, so you still have a team of eight from which you choose four and uh but there's there is a little bit it does kind of come together there is like some plot points that cross across multiple stories that tie to end game stuff but for the most part the game is just here's therion's story here's ophelia's story here's cyrus's story and they're all broken into four chunks so each has four chapters so it's basically like 32 little vignettes uh and each has a character arc it's it's really interesting it's, it's kind of like flawed in a way because you do want it to come together it just kind of feels a little disparate, but I think it's really interesting, and some of the stories are really neat. There's like stories about you know ownership of knowledge and and and, and medical ethics. <laughs> There's some strange stuff in there. That's what the kids want. Yeah. When I heard you mention those characters there, the only thing I can think of was like. In 2020, there's going to be, like, nerd babies born with those character names. I don't think the game will be big, but I'd, I'd call my kid Therion. Why not? Ulbrick. Ophelia is actually an actual name that comes from, like, Shakespeare and stuff. So. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the, the game is set in, like, kind of a, a relatively medieval swords and sorcery kind of setting. Yeah, you're not going to call your kid uh, Alfin? Alf? Alf. Or, or if Tressa? I call my kid Alf, it would be after the 1980s puppet. Primrose. Alf is going back. Did you hear about that? No, I, I probably don't want to hear about that. To be honest, Alf is like huge in the nineties. Like there was this like thing, and like I, I never watched it on television here. I don't even know if it was on television in Ireland, but mm. everyone had an Alf like teddy bear. Do you know those teddy bears you can stick to the back your back windshield that have the suction cups? Yeah, everybody had one, and I had no idea what it was. Alf has nothing on the more bags. Yeah, yes, the Morbegs. From Morbeg land. Look them up. They're terrifying, but as a child, that, that stuff is like crack. Yeah. Need your help to understand, Ken. Did they ever save the growing jury? I see what they did. Yeah, I, I don't know. I actually... I, I was help, so. I was at a podcast, a live podcast recently, with the woman who did the voice of Molly, mm. uh, who was the female Morbeg. Uh, they're just basically these giant sock creatures that came from a different universe to save their... Magical tree, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I'm guessing held their world together. I don't know. Well, the world tree is a relatively consistent religious faith. Yeah. <laughs> the religious faith of the Morbegs. Yeah, and she talked about it, but I can't remember <laughs> if she said it had an end or not, because I think that was one of the things that came up. But I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing a final episode. It might be. It might have been just one of those things that they stopped making. 
I'm going to petition. I'm going to bring back the more bags. You can find it on YouTube. It's quite hard, so look it up. Find the episode where uh, was it it's Molly's birthday, and yeah. she gets a bunch of presents, and Rossa gets real pissy about it because he yeah. doesn't get any presents. It's a good episode. Yeah, <laughs> teaching kids about jealousy and rage. <laughs> yeah, uh, male entitlement, <laughs> toxic masculinity. It's basically the Gillette ad of its era. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of toxic masculinity, girl. Oh sure. One of the one of the one of the big talking points of the last week was Nick Sandman, mm-hmm. Sandman, two ends. Versus Nathan Phillips. What's your take on this card? Do you think, like, because I saw the footage, and as much as I love to, you know, destroy trolls and, uh, you know, haters and racists, I, it felt like that kid was being a dick, but they kind of blew it out of proportion in some ways. Well, he was standing in front of him. <laughs> he didn't do anything but openly the, like, confrontational. The thing is, these kids were from Kentucky. Yeah. They're from a Kentucky school who traveled to Washington. For this protest, it's it an abortion protest, wasn't it? Yeah. They travelled from Kentucky. School children, Ken, travelled on a school trip to Kentucky wearing Make America Great Again merchandise and and protesting abortion. And at that stage, I'm already like, well, I don't care much for you. Yeah. So they <laughs> it's kind like, of, that's a school trip? They kind of stacked the deck against themselves. But like... He just looks like a smug piece of shit. Yeah, that, that's his only real crime. He just looks like a smug piece of shit. And well, they were they were antagonizing him as well, and there's there's accusations from the other side. Oh, there was a bunch of antagonizing, and they're probably everybody was antagonizing, and they they bl- and then he doubled down and blamed the Jews. I think it was uh, yeah, the Jews. Like that. Some Israelis uh, kicked up, and they were causing the fuss. But and like and then the conservative media, they they they, they are never more comfortable than when they are. Falsely outraged. Or on the so, defensive, yeah. It's like this poor child is having his reputation ruined and for travelling willingly as part of his school to protest wearing Make America Great. And like, it's not even dog whistling anymore. Like, Make America Great Again merchandise is openly racist. It's a yeah. statement of intent. And you're not like, we're not supporting. And even if you're supporting Trump, it's still a statement of intent. But yeah, it's it's not it's, it's nonsense shouting. But like that's just yeah the idea just the, the the underlying idea that schools would take their children up on a school trip to an abortion protest is the kind of, that's that's the thing for me it's like that's just not a thing that educational institutions should be doing yeah Covington Catholic High School they've been under siege the last week by the media they've had to cancel classes and everything because good it's been really bad PR for them Sandman himself has. Refused to apologize. He said he's not sorry for what he did, and it's been taken out of context. And take him out of context. I have somewhat of a hot take that, like, they said, like, oh, like the the family is being harassed and they had to move into hiding. Like, that's like a common. Good. That's a common thing that's said about uh, when the rules are reversed, where like you know the the Sandy Hook victims mm-hmm. had to go into hiding. So it feels almost like it's false outrage. I, yeah, I, it's either false outrage or it's they've either like they've orchestrated. I'm not going to go as far as say they've orchestrated. They've orchestrated. The but they they have but it's 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 not a collusion but it's like they have a playbook for this it's just we'll get on cable news and cry about the outrage of it all and we'll do it over and over and over and over again until stupid people hear it often enough that they think it's true but the thing is they're like oh they're in hide the family's in hiding because the threats to them and all the p- publicity but it's like who like cuz liberals you i mean get they're dragged to this they're protest. really good at you know taking people down on on social media or writing a letter, but I, the whole 
uh, you know, threatening people and being overtly aggressive is not really the liberal from the yeah. liberal playbook, I, is in, it? In in the the subsection of crazy loons who threaten to kill you, far more of them come from the extreme right than the extreme left. Yeah, I just don't see them threatening them. So I think that's I think that's a bit of a fabrication. It is. It's all. It's all. It's just. It's just. It's noise. That's all. All of this is. It's just noise. And like as I said, the thing that really worries me is an educational institution being like, "Hey, kids, we're going on a fun school trip to Washington." Oh yay, Mrs. Malarkey! What are we doing? We're going to protest abortion wearing American America Great Again merchandise. Yay! Let's, let's do some uh, uh, arts and crafts, kids. Before we go, take this baby doll and cover it in fake blood. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where they're going to the the, the, the box factory. Yeah. But the box factory is something these kids apparently enjoy. Yeah. Or the box factory is actually not a box factory. It's a abortion, anti-abortion lobby, I don't know. It's a raising people to be inconsiderate jerks. <sighs> jerks, basically, yeah. Do you know what my favourite favorite part about this story is? Go on. Uh, Nathan Phillips is Nathan... Nathan, uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Phillips is Native American. Mm-hmm. So there's two things to this, right? Mm-hmm. One, he technically has more of a claim to that country than anybody, <laughs> any white person ever has. Yeah. And two, he's a veteran. Yeah. So it's like... Uh, make the country gay again get out foreigners like first of all he's lived there all his life his people have lived he there took it before your people. people and he fought for a country you stole from him yeah but they're gonna get in his face and shout at him with their dumb hats and their he's like he's the, the biggest like he's the shittiest looking shit you've ever seen like you look yeah. at this that's the reason this began. like that one photo of him just looking like an utter doof like, you just want to punch him in his face. You instinctively want to punch this human being in his face. And, and he's like a child, so you probably shouldn't. But you still want to, because you see his oh face. Man. I mean, like, I didn't even know the context. I saw the photo before I saw the, the whole story, and I just wanted to punch his he face. He just has a punchable face! And that's, a, that's like a good 42% of this, is the degree to which that child's face is punchable. And it is kind of an allegory. It kind of harkens back to our first episode back after our, our, our hiatus, where we talked about, you know, the internet age and having to be careful. Like, like your actions can be broadcast to the world in yeah. a moment. So, like, you have to be very careful how you present yourself in public because everybody has a camera these days and it can get online within not, not even minutes, it's seconds at this point, or even live streaming as as it happens. So, like, this kid is 17 and this could follow him for a long time, Like, you know. Hopefully it does. Teach everyone a valuable lesson about being civil and kind and caring and not Look, having a punchable face. Just try not to have a punchable face. You'll get on better in life. Yeah, it's that smug grin. You just want to like pull his face He's off. Like, That's like, what I want to do. I wouldn't even want to slap him. I just want to pull the skin off his face. <laughs> he was like, I wasn't. That sounded psychotic. But, yeah, just yeah. a little. Uh, I want to wear it on my own face. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, yeah, I no. <laughs> Trump got his ass kicked this week, though, so that's nice. He did. He had to. Um, it's kind of news just in last night. He mm. signed a three-week deal to end the government shutdown. It was ended at thirty-five days, which was the longest in U.S. history. The kind of, even like the idea of a government shutdown is so alien to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's like, has it ever happened? And I don't know. Well, like I mean, our governments I, collapse, and then we have a like general election. A ton of times in the eighties, but 
we've never stopped people from earning their livelihoods over it. Yeah, it's absurd. It's just an absurd concept in the first place. Never mind when that last thing. What? 35 days entirely over a border wall that doesn't want to exist. You know the way he's like, you know, we can't build an actual wall. It'll be a see-through wall. He's yeah. describing a fence. Yeah. It's, it's like a fence. It's, but like, which is already there. It's been seen as a major victory for Democrats mm-hmm. and... The thing that satisfied me most about it was that, like, through his campaign, through his tenure as president so far, he has lied and lied and lied. And even though we all know he's lying, nothing seems to have stuck to him. But, like, public opinion, even on, like, the, even, like, more of the liberal Republicans, but even some of the harder Republicans are saying, what's this guy doing? And, like, it's really... Uh, affected his popularity. Well, like, he, like, it's it's he, really stuck to him. Like he's gonna like, oh, it's not me, it's the Democrats, and like people are actually even people on both sides are calling bullshit on that and saying, no, you've done this. You like know? this is this is the first time he's firmly lost. Yeah. You know, he's been defeated in every part. He can't spin this. He's lost. Because in fairness, if if they if he didn't lose, that would be a serious indictment of the Democrats because he had the biggest losing hand in the history of losing hands because he shut the government down. There was a deal in place to keep the government going, and he shut it down at the last minute because he threw a tantrum over his wall, which nobody wants. He rejected multiple proposals after that, and then Nancy Pelosi cancelled his State of the Union, and like he tried to call her bluff. He was like, "I'm going to hold an alternative event." Yeah, I'm going to hold an alternative event, and she's like, "No." We're not giving you the the house until the government is up. And he's like, fine. Which, again, was another defeat. It was uh, He played right into their hands there. And eventually it came to the state where uh, basically the second airport started getting affected. It, re- it did reach a state where it became untenable. And he absolutely had to open the government again. He hasn't ruled out declaring a national emergency to get his money for his wallet. But I think that's like... That's like the emergency valve. I think if he pulls it, it's like the riskiest move he can play. And if he, if it blows up in his face, I think it could literally. I believe if he does that, it could cost him the White House the next time. But like, well, the problem is like the wall. The wall is deeply care. unpopular, Ken. Here's, no one wants the wall. Not even Republicans. Not even no. Biden. Republicans want the wall, especially now since like all this talk of Mexico is gone and like American people are paying for it. But like, here's something that's interesting, and I I I had an idea about this, but I didn't actually know it was true. The incumbent president is not automatically entitled to run for their party for re-election. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the same as Ireland, where incumbency guarantees you entitlement to run. In America, you have to be nominated by your party. So in fact, he could, in theory, if he wasn't nominated by his party, he could run as an independent candidate. But he is not the de facto Republican nominee. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I don't think anyone would challenge him. Uh, Mitt Romney was making well, signs yeah, about M- it. But Mittens, Mittens is making his noises, and like he won't do it though. It's too risky. I don't know. He's seventy-one. He needs to make one more play for it, but I don't think this is the time. Uh, assuming what seventy-one, that's too. He'll be in his late seventies by the time to, uh, the next election comes around. Speaking of the election as well, Kamala Harris, possibly the brightest hope so far, has thrown her hat in the ring for. Who's that Hawaiian one? That's awful. I don't know. And Gillibrand, who's also awful. There's a couple yeah. of them there. And then, for, like, people get, oh, it's a circus. Well, it's like, it, this should be. That's how democracy works. Everyone throws their hat in the ring and people pick who's, who is the best, in theory, who is the best ideas. You're going to make a show of it, but I think uh, of the candidates so far, I think Harris has the best chance of actually beating Trump. I th- well, I, I think really most people should have a good chance of beating Trump. In theory, but the way it's structured, the incumbent president has an advantage. Yeah. It's very rare. And the, I think the, only in the last while, I think I can only think of two presidents only served one term. Bush, Jimmy Carter as well only served one. Yeah, lost to Reagan. Bush got dumped out by Clinton when record record fashion didn't. Yeah. 
But uh, do you ever see the letter he wrote to Clinton afterwards? It was very gracious. Very gracious indeed. It's very like that's what you know politics should be. But it's become so uh, bipartisan and and like it's all, it's not even about uh, it's just about winning. It's about winning. Yeah, it's all it's about. It's not about governing. And that's it's in American like, culture in general, I guess. But it's not about governing. It's about about like a a conquest, a battle of ideas. It's about winning and lining your own pocket while you do it. <laughs> Or lining the pockets of others mm. who have lined your pockets so you can stay in power. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the first time Trump has been like... It's his first, like, real defeat that just entirely sticks to him. It's like, he caused this problem, the problem yeah. got worse, and he couldn't get out of it. And, like, we'll, we'll hit this wall... Pardon the pun. We'll hit this wall again in three weeks. Yeah. And it, then he'll have to think about pulling that trigger on declaring a national emergency, which I think is just... I'm not sure what the law is behind that, but it sounds absurd. The idea, I, I want my wall, so it's an emergency, so I need money. <laughs> that sounds really dodgy. It feels like there should be oversight over that, but anyway. But yeah, if and if he pulls that lever, I think he, he's pulling the trapdoor out from under his presidency. Yeah. But not like there's a lot to, <laughs> to fall out of that. But like, uh, that's, as I said, that's the one thing that gave me hope. There was like hardened Republicans that were like, rose-coloured glasses, we won, we have our guy in the White House. But even they're saying, no, that, you know, this is too far, like, you know. And like, the real telling thing is, they held the, the Senate and the House and the presidency two months ago. Why suddenly... With a Democratic House that he can't clear this past, has this become an issue that he has to shut down the government over? Yeah. he, he try, It's a political issue. He's trying to use it as a political weapon, and it wholeheartedly backfired. And he lost. Because it's like, they, 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 in theory, had the votes to get this by two months ago. In theory. But did they want to? No. There was no political will. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that like, even most seasoned Republicans and people who are backing the president and top figures in, in in the party and in the in the House and in the Senate, none of them. They no, all think it's ridiculous. the wall. The wall is stupid. First of all, they think border security is as adequate as it is, and second of all, the wall costs five billion dollars, which Mexico is it, not going to pay for. It also will not cost five billion dollars. Yeah, it'll spiral out of control and cost like thirty million dollars. And the lawsuits alone to get the land for the wall is just going to cripple the courts. It's yeah. just it's stupid and absurd. And Trump wants it because he promised it, and he wants it because he thinks it'll be the kind of thing that will rally up the people. It's it's dog whistling. And it'll cement his legacy and all this. But the yeah. Trump wall. That's enough to remember we had a no Trump rule. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even have that in the script this week. We just went in there. Yeah. Anyway, on a slightly lighter note, but also kind of boring, the Oscar nominations 2019 came out. So uh, a few talking points here. Top one here. Black Panther takes its seat at Hollywood's top table. What's your take on this, Gar? Because at the time, we weren't too impressed by Black Panther. It's, uh, like, Into the Spider-Verse is a better film. <laughs> Which, thankfully, was nominated. There was a concern that that wouldn't even get a Best uh, Animated Feature nomination. Yeah. And it did, thankfully. And it, it should win. It should win. Um, Disney have a lot of lobbying power in Hollywood. And you speaking, basically pay speaking, for Oscars, so... Speaking of Disney, have a lot of lobbying power. Like, by all accounts, the Black Panther was a, a very concerted campaign by Disney. I, like, I, I get people... Really, I, I, like, I think production design this film should win an oscar in a heartbeat michael b jordan was he nominated for best supporting actor no he was not okay like that's absurd how can you nominate this film for best picture without saying the dude that literally made the film is one of the best supporting actors 
That makes no sense. But he no, he's not the lead role. He's a supporting actor. But, I think I think it's the most richly one of the most richly imagined universes in the cinematic universe. But the film is just boring. It is by the numbers because if you look at Thor, the first Thor, it's pretty much the same story. Yeah, well, it's like Iron Man as well. It's like I want the powers of the Black Panther. He might as well be Jeff Bridges. What was it? Jeff? Yeah, it was Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges saying that I want to be the Iron Man. Give me the Iron Man, Tony. It, and I, I can recognize, and I said this before, probably on the podcast as well. It is an important film, like we're seeing. Oh, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a fundamentally important film in terms of representation in superhero culture, and more of it, and more is better. But it's like as is it into the Spider Verse is a much better story. I think it's part of a continued over correction from like you know there's a couple of years Oscar so white the hashtag and well, like, that many I'm, I'm fine with that. Like if that's that, that's a cor- an over correction that is necessary, but. Just this film is fine. <laughs> nominating him to, to appear woke rather than on merit is kind of uh, troublesome. However, Gar, like this type of film being nominated to me is a good thing in some ways. Or like, I, it's I, encouraging. I do, I do miss like I do miss when the Oscars was like Gladiator. That film was badass. Let's give that a best or like, Lord of the, the Rings. Like the last time we had a film on this scale or kind of a blockbuster nominated like this was Avatar. Which and, is terrible. Which was ten years previously. Well, <laughs> so the Oscars and like they went through all this kind of cha- changes to try to get young hosts and all this to attract young people, and really like and don't get me wrong, he should protect you know the Oscars as awarding cinema as an art form and they should be kind of a serious thing, but they shouldn't be so serious that they only reward like art films that make no money and like a certain type of film. Like they kind of had to cl- climb down on the whole popular film category because they're basically saying. Like it's almost like Animal Farm. Like all films are equal, but some films are more equal than others, or some films are more uh, more a valid form of art than others. You know, like there was a shift in the Oscars in the mid two thousands where it became only prestige films could be nominated for Best Picture. You got exceptions, like Toy Story was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. But for the most part, only... And, like, Toy Story is never going to win. Only prestige films... And, it may, again, maybe that's a correction from when, like, Gladiator and Lord of the Rings won Best Picture, which are these big spectacle films, which aren't, like... are. I'm not going to say they aren't artistically interesting, but they, they are. Lord of the Rings is one of the most... Uh, like impressive feats of filmmaking in the history of filmmaking. And by the way, before people are like, "Why wasn't Avengers: Infinity War nominated?" Because it didn't deserve it. <laughs> like it, I, I think that's a. Tr- I've said this on the podcast before. Tremendous feat of direction. Yeah. I, th- I think the Russo brothers Agreed. to keep all of that together. Like I think they deserve the best director, the best director's nomination. I think it's a tremendous feat of editing because if you watch that film, it's like there's like six different pl- uh, threads going here. And all of them remain coherent. And they meld the styles of the individual films as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant feat of editing. In terms of the film, it's alright. Like, it's... It's not that it's alright. It delivered exactly what we wanted from it, but I wouldn't say that it, it was you know, a work of art. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a satisfying it's, movie. Yeah, it's, it's just a good popcorn film, but it doesn't have much to say. It doesn't have anything interesting. Like, of course, like Into the Spider-Verse is the best superhero film this year, I think, by Landslide. And Bright Daddy got, got nominated. I hope... It like should win. People, it should win. What, like, what, what else is there? There's like... Uh, uh, there's Wreck-It Ralph, Wreck-It Ralph 2. two um, I think there's another Disney one. Which I haven't seen. Uh, it's not oh, like we don't have the list in front of yeah, us. Yeah, we have the list in front of us. <laughs> we are, we're supposed to talk about this. Oscars. So, let me start. Uh, vamp can. Fill time. Sorry, did you stop the, the recording? No, I just zoomed out, I think. Okay. Oh, The Incredibles. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Isle of Dogs, whatever that is, and Mirai, whatever that is. 
that was a is it a Wes Anderson film? It's it's kind of like he made uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. So, yeah, yeah Wes Anderson. So, yeah, um, I haven't seen um, The Incredibles. Bad, That's actually, bad. Like I actively just liked. I think that film is worthless. It, it did feel that like film an, might as well not exist. It did feel like an unnecessary sequel. Mm. But yeah, I think I think Spider Verse could win it, but I. It's one of those things where they get like the academy, you know, members get screeners and record raffle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like the big Disney film won't win. Exactly, it's because it's the one they're more likely to have seen or be more likely to be more or less bribed to vote for. Yeah, because yeah, uh, apparently there's been accusations in in recent years that people voted without watching the films. I I, I like yeah I I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Do you want to go through quickly through the main categories, Gary? We'll go to the top here. Uh, scroll to the top. We have Best Picture. There's Black Panther. There's Black Klansman. There's Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a bad film and really shouldn't be there. And then there's like the, the films that are, are prestige films that I haven't seen. Um, the Favourite, which is an Irish film, isn't it? There's a lot of Irish involvement in The Favourite. Yeah, it's shot in Ireland, I think, or partially. Which is where the, the Irish news is always like, and the Irish nominees this year. Yeah. It's like, oh! They clean any Irish connection they can. We have been acknowledged as people. Our culture is valid. But yeah, there's The Favourite Green Book. I don't know what that is. It's basically Driving Miss Daisy, except gender reversed. Okay. <laughs> Roma, also don't know what that is. It's Alfonso Cuaron. It's kind of like a, an art film, black and white. Isn't Alfonso Cuaron the one, that, the guy that made the bad Harry Potter films? I think so. And then there is Vice, which is about Al Gore. The star is born Not as Al well. Gore. No, who's the who's the vice president? It's wrong. Al Gore lost, Gar. Yeah, who's the other vice president? Dick Cheney. Cheney, there we go. Uh, best director Alfonso Cuarón basically the, yeah, all the films we just mentioned uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for the favourite Spike Lee Adam McKay Kai? Kay or Kai? McKay McKay uh, and Powell Palowski Cold War I haven't even heard of that film yeah best actress <sighs> this, this all what the bothers me like is Lady Gaga <laughs> yeah Lady Gaga got nominated right and I'm like I, I haven't seen. The, I, I, I can't, can't see. She started out as an actress, and she says training as an actress, and she's a good actress. But something doesn't sit with me too well when someone's really successful in one career and automatically gets a pass to be like. Have you seen the film? No. All right. So how about okay, we? I'll watch to... the film and then we'll get back to this. I put a how pin about, in it. How about we wait to say whether she deserves this nomination? Whether until you see her film. No. Okay. By all accounts, uh, what we have? Who do we have here? We have Glenn Close, which is one of those. Does Glenn Close has how many Oscars has Glenn Close won? I don't know, because she feels like the Meryl Streep, the the not the poor woman's Meryl, because she's great, but like the Meryl Streep who just hasn't gotten the acknowledgement of Meryl Streep. Yeah, I don't know. Yalitza Aprisio, who's got nominated from Roma. I don't really know anything about Roma, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I'd like to see Melissa McCarthy win this, but I really think Olivia Colman's got that. Yeah, I've not. I've, I haven't seen any of these films. I haven't seen any of these. Like I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, and like I know Vice is only out this week. Christian I miss the I miss the Star Is Born. This is Best Actor: Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper Star Is Born, Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, which I only see a picture of him in, and he looks funny. <laughs> Rami Malek uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody, in which I thought he was actively bad, and Viggo Mortensen, who always gets randomly nominated for Best Actor. <laughs> he does, and he never wins. Viggo Mortensen, like every like two or three years, just pops up for Best Actor in a film that's probably great, but I haven't seen. I see this as a two-horse race because the Oscars or the Academy loves themselves 
a transformation. Yeah, and, like and a, they love themselves a historical drama. And a musical. They do like yeah. themselves a musical. Yeah. I, I, I really don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not like Brian Singer directed it. It's terrible. Are we getting on to that? Brian Singer is we'll, we'll very get, problematic. We'll, but... we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, what I will say about Rami Malek, right? He, he got nominated and... I'm glad he got nominated. Now, you said his performance veered into parody. I, 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 th- I thought it just felt like a poor parody. I, I, I get uh, Freddie Mercury is very, very big and very hard to do justice. Yeah. So, so like, I think you... Uh, I, I don't really critique Rami Malek for not managing to bring any nuance to him. Because he... Well, not even nuance, but... but... Freddie Mercury, you're going to hit the nail on the head there. He's a one-of-a-kind person. Yeah. And to imitate him almost seems cheap because you can't do it. Do you yeah. know? Um, I've watched a lot of Queen I've listened to a lot of Queen I've watched a lot of interviews with uh, Freddie Mercury because I kind of got when I watch these biopics sometimes I'm not so interested in the film I become fascinated by the person himself because mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury is objectively a fascinating person he is and I think that yes he actually particularly didn't sound like him that much the, the accent was a bit off mm. but like I don't I don't think that's very important but like it was a bit and even the movements seemed a bit rehearsed but I felt like he was at his best when he wasn't saying anything at all. So, like, this sounds really bad. <laughs> he was at his best when he was doing his least acting. But well, sometimes you're doing your most... What, you what say it? it best when you say nothing at all. Big, that acting like acting isn't on. always what you're saying, is what I, what I mean. Like, acting so, is reacting, Ken. By all accounts, Freddie Mercury was a very conflicted person because outwardly he was very confident and unashamed and... You know, this is me and this is the way I live my life. But secretly, he was always just desperate for attention. And he was a bit repressed and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, private and, you know, fearful of people, talk, you know, knowing too much about his sexuality. And in the performance, in the quiet moments, I could see it, in, you know, that kind of, I could see it. When he actually did some acting instead of just, I'm Freddie Mercury. I could see it behind his eyes, you know. So, like, a lot of the quieter moments and a lot of the more kind of emotive moments, I could see, I could see why... And the live aid scene is fantastic and is very it is. hard to pull off. Like that's that's just the only good thing about that's the only like the only good part of Bohemian Rhapsody is the Queen songs because Queen rule. They have good songs. They have so many good songs. And like I've been listening to a lot of Queen recently because I've gotten a Queen quick since I actually saw the film in the, in the film. I should go the, the sing along version is currently in cinemas. But like, just like they started as a metal band, but they have so many. They're so experimental. They have so many different types of songs. And it's, they're one of those bands that, like, they have all their hits that you know. And then there's songs that you're like, oh, that's Queen. Also, like, I love that song. I didn't even know it was Queen. Mm. But anyway, moving on. Supporting actress, Amy Adams in Vice. Uh, Marina, the, the, again, I haven't seen any of these films again. <laughs> Marina, to, uh, normally we would around this time of year, but actually... Uh, yeah, I ha- like, I, I, they, ha- they haven't even... I, I haven't seen Roma out. Yeah. The, is the favourite out at the moment? Roma is Netflix. Oh, all right. So I had a limited release, I imagine. Is, uh, is the favourite out at the, the moment? The favourite is out, yes. I, the, yeah. But like, I think they've gotten away from like that boring season of two or three months where there's just Oscar movies because there's some blockbuster movies coming out. So, mm. uh, Regina King at Beale Street could talk. Marina de Tavira from Roma. Emma Stone from The Favourite could probably be The Favourite again, I'd imagine. Oh! And uh, Rachel Veitz from The Favourite. I think it's going to be either one of those, to be honest. I think The Favourite is going to sweep. Possibly. I think it's, it's, it's there's a lot of uh, talk over it and it didn't start too early. Like Vice, there was a buzz around it like six months ago and a lot of times it kind of peters out. Same with A Star Is Born. So, um, looking for Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali. I'm getting better at that every time I say it. We said it a couple of times on the podcast for Green Book. He got he won for Moonlight a couple of years ago, so he seems to be kind of like a very much uh, a celebrated actor of the moment. Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Sam Elliott for A Star Is, Bo- uh, Star Is Born. 
uh, his first nomination, I think, or his first recognition, which he said about effing time is what he said about that. Fair, his mustache deserves an Oscar. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is kind of a left field one. I never thought I'd see him nominated. And Sam Rockwell for Vice. I wouldn't, like, it could happen. And, you know, Christoph Waltz won two Oscars in quick succession. But uh, I think that's an open field there. Probably Mahershala Ali again. I think you said it worse that time. Yeah, I tried, but anyway. And um, the rest are A best song. We might go for a best song. Let it go. Some people like screenplay and adapt screenplay. I don't really care too much about that stuff. All the Stars, Black Panther, I'll Fight, RBG, and Everyone's Seen That Film. The Places Where Lost Things Go, Mary Poppins Returns. By all accounts, the song is not as good as the original. I haven't seen it. Ooh, heavy shot at Lin-Manuel. Oh, no, it wasn't actually written by Lin-Manuel. Man- no, Lin-Manuel that Marino. was a misnomer. He didn't write any of the songs. Didn't he? Nope. None? Nope. I thought he did, but he didn't. What? I, I, I refuse to believe that he wrote none of the songs in that film. I'm going to have to look this up because I believe that's a Ken fact. It's not a Ken fact. It's a fact fact. I recognize that Ken facts are often a thing on this podcast where I say things that are partially true, much like Donald Trump. But this is true. How, how do you cast Lin-Manuel Miranda? I fair enough he performed some of the songs. And then not have him write the song. Ha ha! He wrote once. Oh no, it's performer. performer. Damn it. <laughs> Suck it. Um... Apparently he didn't write the songs. I told you. He just sings the songs. Yeah. Shocker for me, but he didn't. How did he bring you in not to write the songs? <laughs> Apparently there's talks of a sequel already, so I imagine he might get involved with the songs in that. Let's go back to uh, our our talk about the Oscars now, because you were wrong. Well, yeah. I'll take my apology now. Thank you. No. <laughs> this is a... This is not a Ken fact. This is a fact fact. It's just all Ken facts need to be, need to be fact checked in real time. You're like Trump. <laughs> just say yeah. words. Shallow from <laughs> A Star is Born, which is the overwhelming favorite. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Black Panther st- stole that one. Because that song, again, has been around for a while. And maybe... But like, people, I think they really want to give Lady Gaga an Oscar. So probably. Mm-hmm. And when a cowboy trades his wings... Uh, sorry, I said that the wrong way around. When a cowboy trades his spurs for wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is one of its only nominations. I think it's got maybe screenplay and stuff like that. It's by the Coen Brothers. It's on Netflix. I watched it a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, a couple of days ago for the first time, and it's uh, really enjoyable. It's a collection of uh, short uh, vignettes uh, set in the West. Oh my god, Ken Christopher Robbins would have been nominated for Best Visual Effects. Who would be sad, Gary? Oh bother. I'm not a visual effect, am I? I don't have a nomination, but I very much like one. <laughs> is that the only nomination? Um, for, uh, I'm sure the podcast listeners love that ASMR sound of you typing on and clicking on your keyboard. It's a real clackety keyboard. I'm a fan. Everyone the, needs a clackety somewhere keyboard. Are, are, <clears throat> somewhere in the world right now, someone's getting a boner listening to this game. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it's a thing people enjoy. But yeah. Chris Robin only nominated for one Oscar, Best Visual Effects, fighting the Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> so, you said you don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Bad film. It continues to kind of get, you know, bashed, and there's a lot of controversy around it because Brian Singer was the director, and, you know, he's been accused again during the week. And, uh, you know, it's had a lot of success, you know, it's about nominations. Made a lot of money. $800 million. It's the most successful music biopic of all time. Rami Malek won the, the Golden Globe. And Which like, is, by the way, Golden Globe is a separate category for real actors and he, like musical yeah. and comedy. He was fired from the production, I think, after the film was finished. He Which seems... Uh, thank you for making this film for us. We're going to release it as you made it. Also, you're fired. Yeah, I don't think he... Uh, I think you... Uh, I don't think he saw it through to the end, but he was fired. But, like, we're not, we're not going to talk about the merits of the film because we kind of differ on... The Bad co- film. Good on music. Its, 
on its quality, but do you think it's fair for like the production and the effort of everyone else to be sunk by his actions? That is always like more more than one person makes a film, and I know directors are always the figureheads for any. Like, it's the same in video games. You see, like oh, the, the director of the game is the figurehead for the game, and they, like they do dictate they they're decision makers, but. Like, you do, like, hundreds and hundreds of people should sit through the credits of Bohemian Rhapsody, and you will see hundreds and hundreds of people worked on that film. And, like, I'm I'm very much an art-from-artist person. I'm like, if it's a good film, it's a good film. Uh, I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody because it's a bad film, regardless of whether Brian Singer... Like, Brian Singer made some good X-Men films. I enjoy his X-Men films. That doesn't mean he's not a super creep. And people are like, you shouldn't support it. It's like, well, Rami, Mal- Rami Malek, is there? <laughs> he did nothing wrong, and I did the rest of the cast, and... Like, don't give him a, don't give Brian Singer any more jobs fair enough but like this film is bad and you should boycott it because one bad person made it and everyone else has to suffer and you know even possibly Rami Malek's fair, no, no, Oscar the, any, credentials any call to boycott this film obviously didn't work no. <laughs> it just made 800 million dollars but in award season there's talk of should it be rewarded it shouldn't it's a bad film but like <laughs> you know the wor- so they were saying like anybody else that worked in this film deserves not to be rewarded whether it was their merits yeah, that's, deserve that's, it or not. Like, Brian Singer is not nominated for Best Director. Here's one regard. Actually, uh, visual effects popped up here, and, and it kind of reminded me, First Man did not get any major nominations. It's apparently just pretty boring. I, I was wondering why you were staring at the screen so long. Yeah, I was like, it's like, because oh, Because yeah. so, like, Solo, A Star Wars Story was nominated for Best Visual Effects as well. I thought you were just staring deeply into the eyes of Chewbacca. No, it's just like, Ryan Gosling got no nomination. Uh, uh, is it Damon Chazelle? I think that, you know, I think they've kind of lavished enough praise on him in the last couple of years maybe oh I, I get like it's one of the most interesting stories in the history of mankind but also it's one everybody knows you know and i saw the trailer where there's like there's a bunch of tension about whether or not the mission will go well it's like yeah. we know what happens and yeah. it's not even like the the titanic because like the the idea of the titanic is like you know how it ends but you want to see the titanic sinking it's spectacle yeah it's like there's footage of of it's the one small step for man is the most famous piece of footage probably in the history of film. You don't need to see it like you don't need to see it fictionalized. It's it's just boring. I haven't seen the film. It might be better than who knows. But I nearly went to see it one night and yeah. I was like, nah. There's a certain amount of uh, gain to be played with Oscars as well, and this was released kind of in the last portion of last year, mm-hmm. which is kind of too early for Oscar buzz. So I think it might have run out of steam before the nominations came out. Anyway, one last point to get to, Gar. No hosts for, for the first time in my lifetime since so, 1989. So have they, like, cemented no hosts? No hosts. So Kevin Hart stepped down and they're not going to replace him. All right. Kevin Hart stepped down, as we know, after criticism for homophobic tweets uh, that he sent in around 2007, 2008. Uh, I think that was right around the time he started taking off. Like, he was always around because he's in, he's in movies. Do you know this kind of... Yeah. Those comedy, mid-level comedies since like the early 2000s but he really started taking off around then and the tweets were cons- there were some comedy bits as well yeah some of his stand-up routine yeah the, the tweets resurfaced and the comedy bits resurfaced and it's like well I've already kind of addressed those and apologized for those or like he didn't so much apologize but he explained the context and he explained like look back in my day or the people I grew up on and the people I, I learned from or like that inspired me like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy you know edgy was the thing and you say things and you know try things out and sometimes it kind of shoots you in the foot but like 
he said that he was kind of educated now and he realizes that you know the majority of people don't think that's funny anymore and that he, he won't go there the majority of people don't think that's funny anymore is the problem with that statement isn't it yeah. not that it's like uh, you have a, a point in the script should dodgy tweets follow someone forever it depends because if you look at these particular tweets they are staggeringly homophobic. Yeah. Like, they're they're not like, ha gay people, am I right? They're like, if my son is gay, I will do everything to make sure he is not. It's like a or step... physically abuse him. It's like a step below, I'm going to put my kid through gay conversion therapy. Like, these... Those tweets and that standard routine, very bad. Like, like, like yeah. really, truly horrible stuff. It's not jokes. It's just homophobia. Yeah, he's recognised that now. And, like, he said, uh, he, had, he? He's, he said he's changed and he's moved on from that kind of material, so... Or did, just, did he get more famous? Yeah. But what I mean by that is, like, and I do accept your point that it depends, but, like, you know, the tweets came out around that time where social media started taking off, and, like, even now I look at stuff I said in the past, and, like, I've never said anything, like, dodgy or outwardly, I don't think so, anyway, homophobic or <laughs> Problematic racist, can. Problematic, like, I don't think anything's going to surface if I ever run a political campaign, but, like... And, like, uh, well, uh, you look, the point I'm trying to make, you look back at social media and some of the stuff you said, and, like, back then you're trying to feel it out, and... What what it was in the past is like it, it was a, a race for likes and attention and some of the stuff you say. <laughs> like it's not I look back right now, but it, well, it's, it's only become worse. But like, but like I look back and like, but like, I I think you go in cycles because like people are moving away from Facebook. I myself, as I got older, kind of felt less need to post things or you know, show people I'm doing all the time. So mm. I think people, some people, kind of, you know, you know, kind of have a, a cycle of kind of usage where they kind of go from, you know, they're first using it, everyone needs to see what they're doing all the time and they need to get as many likes as possible to, oh, well, it doesn't really matter, or like, you know, or just, you know, to be more social users rather than kind of attention-seeking. But I think the point I was making was, I, I'm kind of rambling here, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, stick with me, is that, you know, we were all kind of figuring it out back then and some people might throw out things that they wouldn't necessarily write now with the context, with the benefit of time and knowledge and education. so Is it the benefit of time and knowledge and education, or is it just like, I don't want people seeing this anymore? Or it blew up in my face, yeah. And it's not necessarily, I don't believe it. It's just, I don't want people to see it, or I understand there is consequence to this now. Yeah. Which, there, there's a big difference there. As, like, 15 years ago, there were words that were used in the general daily, like, usage by, not the majority of human beings, but a good percentage of human beings that were acceptable. Like, to, to use gay uh, as a pejorative, to say something is gay to mean bad, was something people just did 15 years ago. We now, like, I would never persecute somebody for doing that in 2009. It's like, it's just, you know, it's the world, it's wrong, but it's the way the world was. And thankfully, it's the way the world isn't anymore. But those tweets, that uh, that stuff was just straight up homophobic. <laughs> it's a bit hateful. Yeah. So I, I think there is a point to be made that some people might say, they might have said things then that, uh, you know, they, they didn't have the, the knowledge or the education or the or times were different. And What age was Kevin Hart back when these tweets were made? Um, he'd be in his late thirties now, so he'd probably be in his late twenties. Like I always call bullshit on. Oh, I've grown as a person from when I was thirty to thirty-nine. You know? Yeah. You weren't seventeen. He's thirty-nine right now, so he so would have been ten years ago. So yeah, late twenties. He would have been in his late twenties. It's like it's you're not a teenager. That's the I still had if I still had growing and and like we all have biases. Like, uh, there is a degree to which if we can't accept that we have biases, if we can't admit we have biases, it's more likely to entrench them. So if we're too afraid to admit that, like, so, some some bias, like, like, I think nearly everybody has a reflexively racist thought 
every so often. And like you have to understand, like that that that's probably a cultural thing. It's probably how you were raised, and hopefully you can identify it and realize you were wrong. But there's just some this stuff is this just like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So what we're saying is that it comes down to intent, but it also comes down to the fact that if you like, you should know better. And with even time, sometimes you can't like, excuse the, it. The, like this isn't. An example of like, oh, times have changed in the last, and we're 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 persecuting a man in twenty nineteen or in from two thousand nine based on twenty nineteen standards. As I said, if 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 he just used words that were used then that aren't used, thankfully now, I'd be like, why oh, it's a bit of a witch hunt. But no, like this 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 stuff was terrible. This stuff was just really terrible. I suppose it kind of links to what we said earlier about what you put out there and what you say and what you do in public or on when you put something on and like because like, and like uh, even if you take it down it's, it's there forever now like, and people bemoan that a little like oh this just shouldn't follow you everywhere it's like why not you said it yeah you chose to put it out there no one held a gun to your head to send these tweets this was your choice yeah you have like the people shouldn't have consequences for their actions is essentially what people are saying but i think it's gotten to the point where it did get to a point you know like i i've gotten to a point now where I stop and think before I put anything out there, you know. I just uh, tweet about video games. <laughs> you know, but like if I say anything that's kind of any any bit political or about a cause or about, uh, you know, the experience of people that might be kind of marginalized, that's not my own experience. Yeah. You have to be careful. That's it. We all, we all have biases. We all, like, we raise a certain way with a certain perspective. Uh, like, I think we're two relatively well-off middle-class white guys. So we're going to have the perspective of two relatively well-off middle class. Like, we've never really suffered in our life. So anybody that has, uh, like, we instinctively won't understand their perspective. We can try to understand their perspective, and we should try to understand their perspective, but we never will. And maybe we'll hit hard times someday and we'll recognize it. But, like, uh, we we have to acknowledge that's the way we are, and, and people should think about seeing things from other people's perspectives, and at least understanding, like, if you can't understand uh, where they're coming from, at least understand why, you know? But, yeah, it's stupid people being like, I shouldn't be held accountable for words I said. is dumb. You put that out there. It's horrible. Stop it. Yeah. And fairness, he has apologized a couple of times. Since. I don't think he has. He has. He's apologized twice more. I, at least. I think. I think he's done the non-apology. The, the I'm whole, sorry that you felt that way about what I said. To anybody that felt offended by it, I'm sorry. That's not an apology. You, no. That's not saying the thing I said was wrong. I was wrong to say it, and I, I, I've taken steps to ensure. That that both I and other people don't speak like this anymore, especially in 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 any given community that that that, that people represent. But he did say something along those lines in a Fresh Air interview with Terry Gross that I listened to. Because like the big one is the Ellen interview, where I think he, that felt more like uh, public like the, public image rehab than an apology. It's not even rehab, but it's like it's almost like uh, he became a victim. Like he like became like Ellen. Kind of, and I like Ellen enabled him to become a victim in a way that, like, that's always the way this works so it's like woe is me the world has taken me down for something I said so he's like oh don't quiz the Oscar host you deserve to be the Oscar host and you're a good person and you're like you're like, well, I'm sure he is but like come on <laughs> anyway one last thing I want to talk about this week that was on my mind you know and I, I know it's been on your mind too so we're going to have a, a chat about it it's kind of something I'm kind of labeling the FOMO conundrum because I still don't know what you mean by FOMO what's FOMO? Fear of missing out okay so like not in a general That's sense so old. mostly when it comes to media you know because 
like I'm a generally anxious person, Gary. I become anxious about the future, about my career, about my my health. I, I'm anxious about a lot of stuff. But like one thing I was never anxious about was my leisure time. But now I'm becoming anxious about that too because there's so much stuff out there that I I like as I said like most time most times I I would got in in a year I'd get to all the films I'd want to see. But like I just couldn't mm-hmm. go to all the films I wanted to see. And like even TV's with such a saturation, you can never watch it all. And, you know, podcasts are a thing now. And like, there's a new podcast I want to listen to every week, but you can't pass it. Like, I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of podcasts I haven't listened to, and like, it's all there at, at your fingertips. Like, like, and like, and because it is at your fingertips, and we are in a social media era. Like, our attention spans are shorter than ever. Like, so, like, I'm just wondering how you, like, how you consume anything these days. There's a famous phrase from the Judge John Hodgman show, Ken. That people will like what they like. Yeah. And I, I like, I've, my attention span has been terrible lately. Like, I, I can't sit down and just, I've been meaning to watch the last two episodes of this season of Luther for yeah. like a week. And like, I've had free time. I've managed to finish Octopath Traveler, which I'm happy with. I put like 20 hours into that game. And that's partially why I haven't watched Luther. Because I've been playing something else. But like, there is more culture in the world now than you can possibly consume. That is simply the way of the world. And people are like, there's too much. It's like, no, there isn't. There's as much as uh, as people are willing to for, uh, like support and the stuff people aren't willing to support goes away. <laughs> that is the sad reality of, of culture, but uh, it's the only way it works. I think, but, but like, just like what you like, you know, the, 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 as you said, the, the, the all-encompassing need to watch everything and know about everything and be aware of everything and play everything and read everything and listen to everything is just, it's not going to happen. And if you think about it as a rational person, like, you're never going to be able to do that. No. And it just kind of feels, for some reason, for me, it just fills me with this existential dread. It's like, what if I miss something that I really should have seen? Then in the, in the end, if you want to be kind of blunt about it, it doesn't really matter. Cause... Yeah, it's TV. <laughs> it's like, it's supposed to be enjoyable. You're going to die. Like, if, I mean, it's, it's not going to make a difference at the end. Like, you know. You're not supposed to get anxiety about watching something you're supposed to enjoy, you know? Yeah, but I just feel, I don't know why I feel that, but it's like, like, I think I think everyone does like like there's cultural conversations happening that everyone wants to be part of, and like when there's big things that people in say whatever your little sub communities are talking about that you haven't watched, you're like, I can't talk about it because I'm left out of conversations because I haven't watched it. Oh no, and like that's fine. <laughs> it's like I thought, like Octopath Traveler released six six seven months ago at this stage six or seven, and like. No one's talking about that game anymore, and I'm like, hey, look, this game's cool, <laughs> and like no one cares. But yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you have to come to things in your own time, and I feel like, and this is the hardest part for me, and I need to work on it. You have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to see everything, and you kind of have to just choose the things that you want to prioritize, the things you want, and go for them. But and realize that you know it doesn't all have to be watched now. Like you know, as you said, Gary, you're only discovering Octopaths like half a year after it came out and that doesn't make your experience or your enjoyment well, first, I, I bought it at the time yeah. played like half of it and then stopped <laughs> playing for... that's what I'm saying it doesn't make your enjoyment any less valid you know of it but yeah and you mentioned your your attention span there is it, is it that you're finding hard to sit down like I find and one thing I tried to do uh, and I did it quite successfully for a while was if I was reading something or I was watching something I would put my phone away and I would just do that but I found myself the habit of like mindlessly scrolling the phone has, has kind of crept back in. So like I suppose that habit was created over a couple of years, and it's gonna be hard to kind of claw back. Do you think that plays a factor in it? That you know, like you basically have the world at your fingertips in terms of content, but you also have your world 
at the finger at your fingertips in terms of distractions as well. And I also have the the unfortunate um, uh, burden, say, of having a Twitter feed that constantly has something happening. Yeah. <laughs> My dumb work Twitter feed. There will always be something that I can be like, oh, what's happening on the dumb work Twitter feed or on the Facebook or the Instagram, and I can be like, uh, it con like, that never stops. Like my own will, uh, my timeline will keep moving, but like I'll have no notifications or anything. Whereas like, Impact account has a new notification every second, <laughs> and it's like ooh. Yeah, I think it, it's I so think easy you, to distract myself. I think, uh, and that's the thing. Like you think that it's easy to kind of say, look, I'm just gonna put my phone down, and you get to make a conscious effort. Like, and it links to sleep as well. And I'm trying to get in the sleep routine where like I, you know, don't look at screens an hour before I go to bed. I fell asleep at seven a.m. this morning and got up to go to dinner with you and the family at, at twenty past one. <laughs> Yeah, so like I've been living a healthy life. I'm trying to put my phone away, actually, like physically away from me, like and yeah, it has to be out of your reach. That's the yeah, that's the that's the little trick. If it's within your reach, you will always eventually turn over. And like I can't fall asleep anymore. I've been watching League of Legends, falling mm-hmm. asleep. I have to fall asleep to something now. It's and that might be a com- an unfortunate thing I've set up for myself, but. Yeah, and the the science has said recently that this whole blue light thing isn't as much as a factor as they say, but I do think it affects your alertness. Like you're, if you're, like, because I felt times when I was ready to go to sleep, and, and then you're, like it's, but like it's not even blue light. It's like you know you're sleepy, then you shine a light in your face, and you just become more alert. It's yeah. that's just logic. Your eyes are like, <laughs> so I've been trying to put it away an hour before bed. I'm gonna dim lights and just like do something else. And I think that's I think that's another point I was trying to get onto, like that. You know. What, what, like we're working more than ever like you know and I like work-life balance is kind of a little off in, in this area because most people work in offices and stuff like that where you know you're you're rostered for eight hours but like really you're spending nine ten hours there sometimes like you know so that that time you have in the evening is very short especially including commutes no I don't commute I commute, <laughs> I commute quite a bit uh, I commute I don't have to touch the floor <laughs> when, when you get home you can be kind of tired and the easy thing to do is like obviously you cook yourself something to eat and Stuff like that, and you try not to be lazy because I'm trying to be good because you get fat. But that's besides the point. But you get home and you're just like, oh well, I'll just throw on something Netflix or something that we've recorded. So like, and it's just easy to watch something that you've seen before or watch something mm-hmm. that that's you know that you could switch comfort on to. Comfort food, comfort food, or not, not even comfort food, but like something that's just easily accessible and that like you don't have to kind of engage with that much because you want to. There's, there's an urge to vegetate it's normal like you know yeah so i think you have to make a conscious effort to use that time because we all have kind of normally have about two days off a week you know uh normal people and like then you put all this just two things one like you don't use the evening time that you have like because like you know in the evening you could you could play if you if you have like two two three hours you could play a video game for 45 minutes you could read for a while watch one show like but you might just the tendency instead is watch three four hours of television like you know mm-hmm. and then on the weekends when you have time you like it leads to it increases that anxiety because you kind of like a, well, i want to spend time with my friends and my family and i want to watch this stuff i want to watch and i want to a weekend re- show to watch uh, record, record and, then and read stuff and then, like and you just put so much pressure on yourself to get stuff done in the days you have off when like you you, you could be using the time that you have you know between you know your eight hour office shift to I think you need to maximize your time. And again, that's hard as well because old habits die hard. I have two pieces of advice for everybody. Oh, okay. Except right now, you'll never watch everything. You can't. It's physically yeah. impossible. Uh, actually, I have three. The second one is feel free to give up on things. That's that, a, that's my that's uh, my like good, I good, good point because I was going to get to that. Explain your your take there, and I'll add to it. Because I, I I always have this thing about if I started this video game, I'd want to finish it. Yeah. But I'm like, if I'm not enjoying it. Why would I? 
Like, why would I pour time into something? Like, if a TV show isn't doing it for you anymore, stop watching. You don't owe it anything. And, like, I get there's, like, that's the the kind of, like, the, the, the a bit of OCD, a bit of, like, uh, the completist uh, mentality. Not completionist. Completist. Well, that's why we talked about Pokemon lots of recent podcasts. We are Pokemon lovers because we are collectors. We love collecting. Yeah, and, like, people, and, and people play on everyone's natural instinct to collect everything these days. But, like, just feel free to, in the immortal words of Adina Menzel, let it go. Just, if you don't, if you don't want to enjoy something anymore, let it go. And my, my, before you get on that, my third bit of advice is, like what you like. Yeah. Don't like what you think other people should like. Don't like what you think, you know, you should watch or what's important for you to watch or what you watch to talk about something. Like what you like. Watch what you watch. Play what you play. Don't, don't give in to other people's expectations or tastes. I was going to add to your point there about giving up on things, Gary. I think that, yeah, that completionism thing, I think that's something you do need to let go of. But even with things that you do like, like, it's harder with TV shows. But for a good example is a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and the thing is, like, if you're, if you like a podcast and you're loyal to it, and sometimes, because, you know, for me anyway, maybe I'm getting a bit wanky about it, podcasts are kind of an intimate experience. And if I support a podcast, it's normally because of a person. Mm-hmm. And I feel kind of guilty if I don't listen to it all, or I feel like I should. Or, so, like, but sometimes their topics or their episodes just don't interest me so like you can cherry pick as well yeah you can say look like because like there's episodes especially of- like like fair enough a very narrative heavy tv show you can't just not watch an episode i've never understood those people it's like yeah. oh i haven't watched in a few weeks i'm just gonna jump back into this episode of breaking bad it's like no it doesn't work that way <laughs> what does podcasts do or that it's just like this doesn't sound interesting i'd i'd, I'd just use this half an hour for something else yeah also multitask but that's probably a bad bit of advice <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, just, I think, I'm not going to be like one of those people like, oh, detox from your phone, but I think just like, take the phone out of the picture and just like, use your time. To, like, and I, I think the last piece of advice, I think you give two pieces of advice there and I kind of, you know, I built on, I built on my, 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 only other, my only other piece of advice is like, sometimes it's just about doing it. Just mm. do it. Like, because recently I wanted to get into exercise and like, I fairness, I wobbled and fell off the wagon a bit over Christmas, but now I'm back on track. So like, I've been doing yoga nearly every day, going to the swimming pool, and, like, and like, you know, whether it be you know your pop culture promises to yourself or your personal or your professional promises, and I think this is getting a bit wider from the topic that we're talking about. But like, sometimes you can promise yourself for a really long time you're going to do it or you're going to get on it or you're going to give it, and like, you don't, and then you sit down in the evening and do nothing. So I think sometimes like getting over that mental block is it sounds. Uh, maybe for some people it's more simpler than that actually is, but just do it. Do you know? The weekend show brought to you by Nike. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. But yeah, you're, you're right. I, I'm like, I find uh, the, the time I'm most comfortable making promises to myself is late at night. Yeah. It's like, tomorrow will be the day. But I'm going to get up early. I'm going to do everything I want. I'm going to write. I'm going to go for a, a swim. And then I'm going to, you know, play video games. And I'm going to go, you know, kind of watch a TV show. I'm going to, you know, you know, record a podcast. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to have really late. So. <laughs> and like, the reason you can do that with yourself late at night is because you know full well you don't have to follow through with it right now. Yeah. Whereas exactly. if, if, you, if you try to do that in the morning and like, well, now I have the day. Let's go. And it sounds, and that's a good point as well, Gary. I think we could, we could finish on that. Is It sounds easy. And like some people are night owls and I realize that is, but some people think like, they have to do, you know, like, you know, they stay up late to do these things or like, you know, I think it's better like to sometimes, and then like you put pressure on yourself. So like, okay, I haven't, 
Don't any, if you're a creative oh, person. Oh, well, by the way, you used the pressure word there. Uh-huh. Don't put pressure on yourself. No. It's, again, TV, video. Yeah. Don't put pressure on yourself to watch something. Yeah. But I was talking more in a creative sense. Like, like sometimes if you're working and then you come home late, you're like, well, I have to have some time for myself. So I have to watch this show or I have to, or if you want to do some creative, like, oh, I can only do it at night. But like, sometimes I think you're better off just going to bed and having a good night's sleep. And then, you know, if you have time in the morning or if you have a day off, you know, just use the time in the morning rather than that. Because first of all, you're fresher and you're, I think you're more able to do things in the morning. Mm. Uh, so I think you're kind of diminishing returns, but also... When you're, you're, I think it just messes up everything. Like, so you don't sleep well because you feel pressure to stay up and do things or use your time. But like, I think definitely what I've learned is do things with your time when you're awake and when you're asleep, be asleep instead of like basically stealing time, sleep from yourself so you can have time to do the things you want to do. Solution. Never sleep. (laughs) Basically, if they can create a pill so we never sleep. Gary, we spend a third of our life sleeping. That's kind of sad. I don't know. I like sleep. I like sleep, but it's also like, wow. I enjoy sleeping. What if we didn't sleep? But that's the premise of the film, Limitless. So if you want to know what happens then, just watch that. I haven't seen that film. I assume it's bad. It's average. It's on a TV show, so it can't be that bad. Oh, yeah. I saw like the first five episodes of the TV show. It's okay. I gave up on it. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break. Have a bit of empathy towards yourself because... Don't put pressure on yourself. Give up on things. But also, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Be kind to yourself, but also do it. You know, but if Slightly it, convicting, if, but... If it's important to you, do it. And just... But don't be so upset with yourself if you don't do it all the time. You mm-hmm. know? And that, whatever that be... I know we started with pop culture and, you know, you know that kind of anxiety about having too much content. But that goes to if you're a creative person and you want to create things. And We, we, we want to add another proviso, Ken. Yes, Gar. Always listen to the weekend show. Always listen to the weekend show. Such wisdom will never be found anywhere else. Yes. The only thing you should put pressure on yourself and listen to all the time and prioritize no matter what and never delete an episode of is never, the weekend ever. show. <laughs> I mean, it's like a map and you're like tearing off a piece of the map and throwing it in the bin. That's yeah. what you're doing. Our podcast is a tapestry. Meticulous, a rich, rich meticulously tapestry. planned, Ken. This is like... What's what's the thing that's meticulously planned? I don't know. I don't know. Some meticulous. That's what the the show. Is the like. Oscars. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Okay. Do you want to finish the podcast, Ken? Let's 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 leave it there. I hope that was useful. I know there's a bit of a ramble there, but you pick out some nuggets of wisdom there for yourself. I have no wisdom. I hate people that like sell themselves on. Like, like I, I am a, a big thinker. I, I'm an opinion leader, a thought leader. I'm a champion of all the people. It's like, shut up. That feels like something you shouldn't say about yourself. Like, if other people say that about you, that's okay. But, like, if you're going to say, like, that's me, that's, like, what I was born to do, like, that's bullshit. If I ever become one of these people who lives life just peddling wisdom, throw me into a river. You you have permission to to find me, pick me up, and throw me into a river. Because those people are universally con men. Puppy style, just put you in a sack. Yeah, just throw me in. You can like if I'm one of these people, it's like you can do it. You can be you. You did it. it, it you know, motivation and and, and buzzwords and all, all these people that exist that I, I trust. I, I I trust as far as I could throw, and all of them, all of them, can con men without fail, who who literally peddle that stuff as a career. Great. 
Yeah. Anyway, that's, a, that's an entirely different rant. Just the thing is, there's always a book to be sold out of it, or a video, or a seminar. So yes. if they're doing it for the sake of that, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. 13 ways to be a better you. Five ways successful people start their mornings. Uh, the two tips you really need to, to motivate yourself to start your day. Uh, throw me in a river. Con man. Go on. Wrap up the podcast. <laughs> How do you battle the tide of never-ending content or pressure to fill your time with things that you want to do or need to do and how do you decide what's worth your time and what's not you can share your tips on facebook at facebook.com forward slash twskk or if you're in the mood for a fight you can share your thoughts on twitter where can they find us on twitter girl doesn't say in the script i couldn't possibly say at twskk all right movie stars that's a wrap for this week that's you're you're a star Thank you for You're taking... a star. That's an Irish version of the the X Factor. You're a star. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah, we used to do that where we like did a similar show but changed the name so we didn't have to pay for it. And now we just buy the shows even though we go, even though we're a small country and we can't afford them. Mm. Anyway, as I was saying there before, you so rudely interrupted. Like that's like that's like a trademark of the podcast. You have to interrupt me and piss me off. Well, like I save you from yourself sometimes. Sometimes you do. In fairness, I'll give that to you. Thank you, as always, or if you are listening for the first time, for clicking play on the podcast or downloading it. Even if you download it, we still get the numbers, so that's good enough for us. Do we? I think we do. I think like there's two separate numbers, though, isn't there? On SoundCloud, there's a download number and a listen number. Anyway, that's for another podcast. You can usually find a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. That's where you'll also find our other show, Podcast a Week, and the entire back catalogue of The Weekend Show. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS ne- on the TWS network. Sorry, why, why, can, why can you not say the name of our own podcast network anymore? Because it's a long sentence and I run out of breath. You, because yeah, actually, yeah, that makes sense. That every time you read that sentence in the script, it, it you just run out of breath. Yeah, you can't say TWS because you don't have enough breath for the W. So it's like exactly. So TWS. I know what the name of our network is. I no, I can say it, but I just bite off more. I, 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 I bite off more than I can chew. I'm sorry. That was that time you were turning um, the weekend show into a brand. Yeah, didn't work. But we, anyway. we WWE did. We did. We did. The, the, the letter started meaning nothing. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, you know, it might. Be... Shut up, Garen. <laughs> okay. I'm trying. I'm trying my best here. Okay. I want to make something happen for myself. Is that so wrong? Anyway, I digress. Speaking of which, if you've managed to stumble across our teeny tiny podcast and you'd like to share this absolute hidden gem with everyone you hold dear, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That was very blatant. That was a big breath. (laughs) We would really love to grow this podcast and reach new listeners. And it starts with you. So be the change you want to see in the world. Or if you think we're actually secretly problematic, I suppose you have to report us to the Twitter police. Yes, and we will forever pay for our sins. To which we will admit the degree to which we are problematic and hope we try and fix ourselves. Or we just deflect and say that I'm sorry if you felt that way. <laughs> next week, we will decide what we're doing next week. <laughs> I thought we were doing How to Train Your Dragon. We might do that, but we like depends if we see it. We plan to see it, but you know the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Great quote there for you. Mm-hmm. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, Covington Catholic High School. You may think that they are producing mini-magas, but they want to remind you of their motto, Sorry Not Sorry, which I'm pretty sure is Latin for Go F*** Yourselves. Ah! Ah! (laughs) 
foul language on the weekend show. I'm going to censor that, don't worry. Oh, yes. Uh, poor listeners will be very upset. Wholesome can has crumbled. Whatevs. It's fair, though. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions, and until next time, say goodbye, girl. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.